Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 2, Episode 1. Well, hi, you made it back, and so did I. We had some family complications over the past couple of months, so my off-season didn't really go as planned. But we made it, and thanks for being here. This is the first episode of Season 2 of Great Ridge Station. I don't know about you, but for me, this is kind of a big deal. Thanks for listening, for spreading the word, and helping us build our audience. I don't know if it's ever occurred to you, but English is a strange language. Only in English can I say, there, 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 and have that be three different words. How can caregiver and caretaker mean the same thing? Now, I don't mean to be impolite, but English is sort of the promiscuous tramp of languages. We borrow words from other languages whenever the mood strikes us. We have words from ancient Nordic, from Sanskrit, Swahili, French, Italian, Greek, Turkish, Spanish, Native American people groups, Japanese, Chinese, and even cow. Cow, you say? Well, where do you think our word moo came from? If you learn almost any other language on earth, you need a working vocabulary of about 20,000 words to master a working, fluent knowledge of the language. In English, that number grows to about 100,000 words. That's a lot of words, but they matter. The subtle nuances that differentiate the meanings of disaster, catastrophe, and tragedy can make your meaning and your understanding clear. Add to that the fact that there are formal dictionary definitions, denotations, and informal interpreted meanings, the connotations. These days it's pretty common for people to write in incomplete sentences, bullet points, tweets, and it's increasingly rare for people to write complete paragraphs or even sentences in their day-to-day life. And that's a problem. I hang out with hiring managers fairly often, folks in my circle of friends and acquaintances, and here's what I hear. A person's ability to write well and express their ideas is critical to their success. Poor communication is a career derailer. You will be judged on your ability to express yourself clearly. That will impact people's impression of your competence the value of the ideas you present, your trustworthiness on projects, teams, and in specific roles. And if your work gets compromised in those areas, it makes it really difficult to get promoted. does not make it difficult to get noticed, though. Bad communication does get you noticed, but not in the way that you would hope. You can make yourself the first person they think of when they consider who to skip over for the next opportunity. Yes, bad writing skills can stall your career, but worse than that, bad writing skills can also stop your career from taking off. I've had people tell me that bad writing on a resume or a cover letter is enough to get a job candidate disqualified, regardless of their qualifications. Hear this, bad writing can keep you out of the running for the job you want. I'm pretty sure that I can hear some of you say, hey, that's not fair, and some of you just misspelled hey. Um, I'm not making an assessment of whether it's fair or not. In fact, uh, you may be able to make the argument that it is not fair, and that it simply serves to support existing hegemonic social structures. (laughs) That's not the point. 
That's not fair will not get your resume looked at. It won't get you the promotion you want. And I want to help you deal with the way things are and the potential of organizational leaders to filter applicants who struggle in that area. This is just one piece of that puzzle. So back in season one, I mentioned John Taylor Gatto. I heard an interview with him on NPR a long time back, and some of his ideas really hooked me. John Taylor Gatto was an author, teacher, and educational activist who was a bit of a rebel in the field of education. He passed away in October of 2018. He pointed out the two kinds of literacy. The first is passive literacy, and it encompasses everything we think of when we hear the word literacy. Can a person read? But the other half of Gatto's theory was active literacy. Not input, the way we normally think of literacy, but output. Taking what you know and being able to communicate it to others meaningfully. I'm not talking about an academic exercise here. I'm talking about real-life things that you need to be able to do as a leader. Think about it. You're going to have to create policies that are clear and useful. You're going to have to help design workflow processes that make sense and are repeatable. You're going to have to write corrective actions and employee uh, performance improvement plans. You're going to have to create proposals for projects and initiatives. And these have to be able to impress your senior leadership. You're going to have to create post-mortem documents that look at what happened in a completed project and provide complete analysis and explanation in writing. And you're going to have to interact with customers and clients by email. And that's just a partial list. As I like to say, actual mileage may vary. The truth is, every job has its own set of requirements, its own communication challenges, and its own potholes and traps. This may not be comforting to you, but there's been a lot of research done on reading and writing skills. To sum up some of that research, in general, sloppy thinking tends to show up in sloppy writing. It takes a lot of mental work to be able to express ideas in words. Think about the things that have to happen even to write a simple business memo. The first pieces are related to content. It's gathering, sorting, prioritizing, analyzing, evaluating, synthesizing, and decision-making. Let's talk about those. First of all, you have to gather information. You may not know everything necessary, so some additional research will be, will be necessary. Then there's kind of a sorting process where you assess how do the details relate to one another and to the situation at hand, what's important and what's not. Then there's the process of prioritizing. Think of it this way. What do I say first? What do I say last? And how do I connect them through the piece? See, there's also an analytical process where I try to break the information down and understand how it connects to everything around it. And then there's evaluation, where I have to look at the information and determine whether it has value or not. That's very contextual, of course. Does it have value to the situation at hand? For instance, the fact that Israel's space agency recently crashed a lander on the moon may be fascinating information, but it's not relevant to this podcast, so I'm not going to mention it. Synthesizing connects the situation at hand to what we already know and seeks to create a deeper understanding by connecting information that otherwise might never find their ways together. Finally, there's decision-making. One way or another, everything you write represents a decision about what should be there and what should not. 
but it also represents the bottom-line analysis of the situation and maybe even a decision on actions to be taken. The next piece is all about applying filters. What's important to the people who are going to see this? What matters to them? Equally importantly, what doesn't matter to them? That might sound like evaluation, but the difference is this. The focus here is on the audience, the people you are communicating with, not the overall relevance of the content. You also need to consider the ethics behind the situation. Am I compromising anyone's reputation? Am I throwing anyone under the bus? Am I accepting responsibility for my decision? Are there moral implications to the material that I'm presenting? Those are serious questions that we have to address. I won't go into this right now, but there's a significant difference between morals and ethics. For this discussion, consider both. So how about legal concerns? Am I sharing information that could compromise my organization if it's misunderstood or misapplied? Are the competitive concerns or proprietary details being shared that could give my competitors valuable details about the organization's strategy? From a market perspective, what's the value of the information that I am sharing, whether positive or negative? And finally, there's an editing process. Is it clear? Is the tone suitable for my audience? Is it too formal? Is it too casual? Too erudite? Too childish? And here's an important one. What are my assumptions? Do you need to be an industry insider to make sense of what's been written? Well, if the answer is yes, then I better be writing for an industry insider. And how much background context will your audience have? How much will they need? Most readers will not have the details about your organization, your project management processes or structure, or your product and service placement in the marketplace. Your job is to communicate, not baffle. Don't settle for baffling them. And all of that because the research suggests that sloppy thinking results in bad writing. But that may not be your problem. Regardless of that, bad writing makes people think your thinking is sloppy. That's why bad communication is so often used as a filter for the hiring process. If all of the stuff I just gave you made your eyes glaze over, well, I may just be talking to you. These are essential skills for success as a leader. That may not be fair, but it's reality. And there's something you can do about it, and it's relatively painless. Not completely painless, but mostly painless. And here it is. Take a writing class. I will say it again. Take a writing class. In my little corner of the world, Minnesota and Wisconsin, there are networks of local community colleges. These are state-funded, and the admissions requirements are, well, they're manageable. And if you happen to already have a degree, whether it's an associate's, a bachelor's, or a master's, you can still do this. The doors are still open to you. There's no shame in recognizing that this is an area in which you want to improve. I called a couple of colleges to see how the process would work. And again, your mileage may vary. You'll probably want to speak within the admissions department and be sure to let them know that you want to take a course or two and not a full degree program. There will be an application to fill out, but these are not difficult. Some schools have an admissions fee, some do not. There are courses offered online and others are face-to-face, so there's plenty of flexibility. 
ask someone to help you figure out what course would be best for you. Two of the schools that I looked at offered business or workplace writing certificates. That's a bigger investment, but that could be a really good move for some leaders. Now, there's going to be some costs for tuition and books. Talk to your employer and see if there are any development funds available to foot the bill. If there's money available, good for you. If there's not, figure out how to take care of it yourself. It is an investment in your career, your life, and your future. So, go. Make it so. Now, I admit, I am a bit of a word nerd, and I'm not trying to get you interested in what interests me. But I thought it was fair for you to know that the, the kinds of things that I'm hearing from leaders and from hiring managers, why let a fixable weakness hold you back? This is really important to you. This can help to remove some of the roadblocks that are in your way. Learn to think clearly, learn to write clearly, and learn to have a positive impact on your field, your industry, and your discipline. So now go, take a writing class right now. Well, if you have questions related to the subject matter on Great Ridge Station, the best way to reach me is to tweet me at LJ Helgerson, hashtag GRSQuestions. Thanks to all the folks I know who subscribed during Season 1. I appreciate your feedback and your words of encouragement. I take that seriously, and I will keep working hard to exceed your expectations. As always, keep encouraging your friends and colleagues to subscribe, and take what you learned and put it into practice. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.